On this next episode, I travelled down to rainy London to see my good friend Bradley. Me and Bradley both went to Leeds Beckett University and now he successfully runs Jensen Jensen with his brother Miles. Miles was unfortunately isolating when I came down to do the podcast, but Bradley gave me some amazing understandings of what it takes to be an entrepreneur and how marketing, business and university all play a part in being successful. This episode might be my favourite. Rainy London. I know, I know. Welcome, welcome to East London, mate. <laughs> Cheers, man. I was going to say, it's going to be weird because obviously there would have been three of us. Yeah. But I now, unfortunately, but we've got the old COVID 19. I know, I know. He sends his apologies, but you know, it's uh, happened to the best of us. I mean, he, he had a good run, I think. 18, 18 to 20 months of no COVID. So I think it's a pretty decent run, right? I, know, I got it like two, two and a half weeks ago. I didn't realize I even had it. And I was going around socializing with people, <laughs> testing the negative in terms of- You're a super spreader, mate. You're a super spreader. I gave everyone on recall over Christmas. There we go, but, there we go. Um, but no, no, I appreciate your time. Um, sure. I guess we'll just dive straight into the first question. Of course. Um, I guess just tell us about, you know, you guys and say last five years of work or so. Yeah, sure. So, um, well, my, my name is Bradley Jensen. Um, I suppose a little bit about myself kind of personally. We, uh, we're we actually both uh, St. Lucian and Danish. So my mum's from St. Lucia. Uh, my dad was from Denmark and we were born and raised in London. I think we spent really the last five years kind of breaking ground across kind of marketing campaigns, different brands, um, but we actually haven't had very much of a kind of traditional trajectory. Um, so we haven't gone into agencies, upskilled and then kind of exited and set up our own agency. Um, I think for us, really, Miles went to University in Liverpool. I then went to University in Leeds, and that's where we we kind of ended up becoming buddies. Um, and it's crazy to think that that was almost five years ago. Um, when I was at uni, I think the first thing where I kind of got into the entrepreneurial spirit or kind of marketing spirit was I ended up getting onto the O2 Accelerator program in my final year of university and I ended up getting um, around 12,500 pounds funding from oh, them um, for, for a project called Solar and it was all about kind of sustainability development projects. And really that was my first kind of experience and exposure to kind of, you know, managing finance, even mapping out a business plan to even get onto the accelerator. Then fast forward uh, the next year, I then ended up working with Nike uh, for Wyden Kennedy on Nothing Beats London campaign. One of my favorite campaigns to date. Um, it's just such an amazing campaign. Um, and really my role there was, I brought on board as a freelance consultant, but it was really to go through, and I didn't realize at the time, but it was really to make sure that they weren't culturally appropriating. Um, so my responsibility was to go through the script, make sure that if they're using any slang, you know, it was the correct slang and they're not gonna get absolutely shot down on Twitter. <laughs> uh, you know, RIP Molly May, as we've seen recently. Off of the neck, yeah. Um, and then also going through and helping them, you know, for the, for the casting process. So for example, uh, they wanted to cast Ashley Walters, um, but instead, you know, we and I suggested that we casted gigs. Reason being is, you know, Top Boy had come out, but actually there was no pretense of Top Boy season two coming out, but gigs had just dropped an album. So it was really making sure that everything they were doing was super relevant. And that was, that was 2018. Um, the next year, kind of going to 2019, is when we set up for Fork's Sake, uh, which probably gained, you know, quite, quite a bit of notoriety across Leeds and kind of West Yorkshire. Um, we ended up winning uh, Leeds Digital Festival Award uh, in 2019, which was absolutely amazing. Uh, and really, that was the year where we didn't realise that it was essentially a food marketing agency um, within its own right. You know, we were just super passionate about creating content, you know, bringing together different creators um, and just showing the, the love of food as such. And for that year, we had a viral campaign, uh, which was the fake marriage proposal ended up becoming uh, Yorkshire Evening's Post most read article of that year. Um, so we hired, I think it was three actors, paid them 40 quid each. Um, <laughs> and we literally said, go to Leeds Trinity, Leeds train station and bring it. And, you know, pretend to, pretend to propose and she's going to walk off. And, you know, it was, it was so funny because when it happened, we repeated it, I think four times throughout the day. 
And Leeds folk, I absolutely love them. They were like, yeah, go on, Mush, say yes, say yes. Uh, and it's always like, you know, you can do better, son, don't worry. And, uh, but it was quite funny because that ended up going viral. Um, and then we ended up becoming trending on Twitter. And we, we got slated on Twitter as well. Uh, there, was a lo- there was a lot of guys, I think it was you know, like Ryan, Ryan from Guysley was like, you know, gone are the real men of nowadays. We only got boys in skinny jeans. But it was, it was really funny. And it was just, it was actually a bit of a bet with one of our clients to prove that you know you can go viral we don't need to be spending thousands of pounds uh, you know on these super large martyr campaigns and also within that year we also launched uh, fork 20 which i think uh, a lot of people probably know about what happens on 420 across the globe uh, so we hired a ice cream chuck uh, we completely rebranded it in all for fork's sake and we dyed all the ice cream green and we we gave out free ice cream to all of these super stoned kids in Hyde Park. Um, and all they had to do was just sign up to our platform. And we managed to get, I think it was just under 2K signups on that day. Um, and so once again, you know, we were really utilizing that kind of guerrilla marketing. Um, and once again, just creating content that people hadn't seen before. And so that was kind of 2020, uh, 2020 and such. We then moved on to kind of last year. And it was a really interesting year. Um, we launched Jensen Jensen kind of in tandem with For Fork's Sake. And, you know, we launched it by accident. It wasn't, we never wanted, and Jensen Jensen isn't an agency, but we never wanted, and we've only recently just worked that out and defined that, but we never wanted to launch an agency, no. you know. reason. There's so many reasons for not wanting to launch an agency, you know, low barrier entry, you know I mean? Anyone, anyone can technically set up an agency, find a client, get a couple, get a freelancer on Fiverr, be a middleman, you're essentially an agency as such. So we never wanted to do that, but one thing that we recognized quite quickly was we had a lot of clients coming to us on For Fork's Sake saying, look, we love what you guys do here. You know, would you be able to help me with my business? And we're essentially like, look, if you don't have a greasy burger truck, we're not interested. Do you want to sling a hook, Steve? We're not interested. <laughs> one client came, two clients came, three clients came, and it's kind of the penny drops like, okay, hang on, there's an opportunity here and we can really capitalize on this. So we fell into kind of this landscape uh, by accident but we fell hard and I absolutely love that about us. Um, and so we've really spent kind of the last two years working with, you know, such a wide range of clients and kind of going full circle, as I mentioned, we we haven't, Miles did work, he worked for Campus, you know, as you know, so yeah. kind of large student marketing agency, but myself, my only real experience was working for, for Wyden Kennedy um, for three months for a duration of the campaign um, and then working on my own businesses. So I really hadn't had that exposure to kind of the agency landscape. Um, but the one thing is that we really use, use that as a bit of a USP um, and we harness the fact that actually, you know, we are different, we have a different way of thinking. We're going to approach things very differently. Um, and so across the, the last two years, that's really how we've been able to win a lot of business. And, you know, last year, I think my highlight for me was speaking at Leeds United, which was... Mm, I saw that on your LinkedIn, yeah. Mate, it was... Uh, cool. I, walked, I walked into the stadium <laughs> and it is just, it's just such an overwhelming, yeah, but such imagine. a calming feeling and I think that the paradox of it was I went there and there was obviously there was no one in the stand so it was so calming but you can just imagine on a match day yeah. how crazy that place would be um, and so I spoke there about social about kind of personal branding um, and so yeah so really the last five years for us has has been a real roller coaster uh, we've launched a lot of businesses and I think all of those experiences have really shaped J&J into what it is today it's quite busy Five years, you could say. It's <laughs> non-stop, yeah. no sleep. <laughs> non-stop, non, non non-stop. I think, you know, it's, it's hustle. It's just continue, continuing to hustle all the time um, and just continually building on, on yeah. our experiences. So, yeah, it's been awesome. It's cool to hear, man. I was going to ask, I suppose we touched on it before we started uh, about obviously like code and stuff mm-hmm. and, and obviously stalking you on like LinkedIn and stuff, you know, a lot of remote work and stuff. Mm-hmm. But how did lockdown, you know, affect your business as a whole over the last, you know, couple of years or 20 2020, 2021, I guess. Yeah, so, you know, I, th- I think lockdown, it's quite funny. So we actually went into lockdown on my birthday, the 21st oh, of no. March. So I was like, great, you know, this is amazing. But I think um, there was a lot of uncertainty um, across the board. And I, I don't think that's just for our industry. I think every single industry across the board. Um, but for us, it didn't really it didn't really affect us as much. If anything, it actually kind of accelerated the trend that the business is actually founded on. Uh, our whole model, and uh, which was accelerated by lockdown, was basically hiring talent based on uh, hiring people based on their talent, not on location. Uh, with digital, it's a digital doorstep, and we're able to bring you know the best people. And one thing that we found was when we had our office in Leeds, was 
we were looking to bring people in who were within a 10 mile radius of our mm. office. And by doing that, you're massively reducing your talent pool. Yeah. You know, why, why are you doing that? As much as there's amazing talent, you know, within Leeds, uh, there's even greater talent, you know, overseas, outside the UK. So I think for us, uh, lockdown, one thing it allowed us to do was, you know, cut costs. We ended up getting rid of our office space. Uh, and so massively reducing our overheads. Uh, it allowed us to become a little bit more agile. And like I said, you know, really bridging that gap between creativity and talent. I think we've always had a bit of a, global approach and I don't want to say that in a way of it sounding much bigger than it is but we've always had a bit of a global mindset a global approach to our freelance network and so really that shift mm. to doing that we were already quite prepared for that so it wasn't a huge kind of shift internally and the way how our business model was set up I think the biggest challenge that we did face and I think that came more towards the second lockdown was really that isolation yeah. uh, that homework and I, and I think that's a general consensus across the board for a lot of people you know you're kind of working in your bedroom so you're kind of waking up in your bed <laughs> making your bed you know having breakfast going back to your bedroom working all Hit day workouts in your room yeah doing workouts <laughs> in your room to then go to play warzone do you know what i mean and, yeah. and that's it and i think you know that was a that was a real challenge that i think a lot of people kind of knew but i don't think they realized how big of a challenge that was going to be and also for our clients as well um uh, Towards the start of the lockdown, a lot of our clients were still, you know, relatively small businesses, uh, sole traders. So we just made a massive conscious effort to check in with them. And it wasn't the case of, look, guys, you are now unable to physically get to your office or your business, whatever. You know, let's help you get online. But it was more of a case of, you know, are you okay? How how are things going? You know, we are here to help you. Um, and I think that was something that was, you know, massively important for us and really allowed us to, you know, foster and bolster those existing relationships with our clients. And, you know, the regular the regular check-ins with our teams yeah. as well, absolutely essential. Um, some of our team members, you know, struggled a lot more, especially two of them were kind of grads and they were living still in their uni house, but all of the housemates had gone home. And so when you look at things like that, I think that was a really, really difficult time for a lot of people. And, it was, a, it was a steep learning curve for us as well um, to really understand, you know, how can we manage this new situation? But in terms of kind of the business, how the business was operating, it was it was a, it was a great thing yeah. for us. You know, it was, it was a catalyst for us. And it was, yeah, don't, I'm not saying bring on another lockdown. Please no, <laughs> no, no Boris, if you're not. listening, you know, to please do not bring on another lockdown. But yeah, so yeah, it was, it was okay. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it wasn't too bad. Man. Wasn't I was going to say, bad. you touched on one to my next question about you clearly have a lot of clients in other countries and do you enjoy that side of having because I know a lot of people will have you know they'll work in the UK and they'll mm -hmm. have a meet office in London and Manchester mm -hmm. but they'll know all their client base they'll probably see on a weekly week basis sure. but I guess you guys a lot of FaceTimes a lot of Zoom calls sure because sure. you have like clients all around the world don't you yeah I mean, I mean look I, to, to be candid look we, we don't have loads of clients across across the world and that's one thing I, I want to make clear we do have you know pockets of uh, territories where we have you know clients so Portugal and Spain are kind of two of those areas. Um, but I think for us, it's definitely something that we're focused on growing. And the one thing that Miles and I have just never really understood why people didn't do is, and yes, lockdown has made it a little bit more difficult, but ultimately you can, let's say we book in a meeting with a client for next Thursday. Um, why not just jump on a plane? You know, why yeah. not? And, you know, Skyscanner, especially uh, across kind of UK, EU, well, not EU anymore, but, you know, Europe as <laughs> such. Um, it's, you know, it's pretty inexpensive. Yeah. My train to go up to Leeds sometimes, I remember once I paid £200 yeah, for a return. Yeah. Uh, I could go back and forth to Portugal maybe four or five times. Yeah. <laughs> and I think for us, that's something that a lot of our clients don't expect. But when you actually physically turn up there, you know, in their country, they welcome you with open arms and you know it just once again it's all about bolstering that existing relationship um, and so for us we've always thought if we can get on a plane and be be with you guys you know tomorrow is that going to impress you is that going to help us progress things quicker cool then let's yeah. do that so yeah I think you know working working with different clients across uh, different countries definitely ha has its challenges uh, we did work for a couple of clients in America the whole time zone was was pretty yeah, difficult five hours, is it five hours yeah, yeah 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 especially with some of them were in Chicago um, so it, it does make it pretty difficult but once again even when we go back to our internal model of our business and our, our freelance network and our team network that work with us and across the globe 
all of them, and this was not the uh, this was not on purpose, but all of them are either British educated mm. or native British speaking, uh, which for a lot of our international clients is a huge advantage because they know that actually you know mm. things aren't going to get lost in translation. They know that actually you know anything that we do inside the UK, it's going to be the same for them. There's that continuity there. So yeah, I, I love it, and it's the whole idea of the digital doorstep. Yeah, we you know we are pretty much connected to anywhere on the globe so it's not so well, this is it again I guess it keeps things interesting as well like you oh, know, for just, sure. and you get you get a bit of a whole day out of it again oh, a bit of winter sun can oh, never, never sure, hurt as well sure, sure, absolutely sure. shit weather today yeah. <laughs> um, no. I was gonna I suppose I probably should ask this first mm-hmm. obviously um, J&J I mean what made you want to start uh, like a business like that what, what was the was there any influence behind it or was it just kind of like we want to do something with our name and kind of make it our own kind of thing. Yeah, the short answer is we didn't. No. Um, like, in short, we didn't. Um, and like I said, you know, we really fell into this by accident. The The whole idea behind this was, Miles and I had businesses before, both independently and a couple of joint businesses. All of that shaped really our experience. For fork's sake, I would say it was the main catalyst for us launching Jensen & Jensen. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we are marketeers, but we have not gone through, like I said, the, the traditional agency landscape. So it wasn't a case that we spotted, and we skilled up within a particular vertical, whether that's paid, social, SEO, whatever it may be, and then realized, hang on, we're really good at this, You know, let's do this. It was more of a case, we fell into this by accident, but the one thing that we have realized and we started to find quite quickly is, we really base our things on kind of three things. And one is, linguistics intelligence so you know the ability to speak and, and ability to communicate verbally very well um, visual uh, so kind of spatial so ability to understand and look at certain things uh, whether that's patterns whether that's art um, and pretty much be able to define you know what's good and what's not yeah. um, and then the final thing I'd say is interpersonal and that's really be able to build mm-hmm. those meaningful relationships and I think those three things there was a recipe that actually allowed us to build a, a I don't want to say successful business because I think we're doing great, but we still have such a long way to go. But it was able to build a business where, you know, I'm here today being able to yeah. speak about it. I've been invited to other places to speak about it. So that, that was something there. But I think, you know, the agency landscape, as I mentioned, is difficult because there is such a low barrier to entry. So it does mean that competition is so rife as well. Yeah. Um, and I think we struggled for the first year and a half to really define what we did and, mm. and what our niche was. Uh, a lot of our clients and I'll come on to the type of clients that we work with but from such a wide range of industries from you know, sports to fitness brands to e-commerce brands to kind of tech startups whatever that may be and that's something that for us those clients came to us because they had already tried to go for example to a tech agency and you go to a tech agency they know what you're talking about as soon as you try to communicate that to mass market it's lost <laughs> so essentially and it's the same for any industry whatever yeah. that may be finance uh, mortgages whatever it may be so a lot of our clients come to us because they know that we're going to be able to bring that fresh thinking we're going to be able to remove that complex complexity create simplicity and ultimately drive value um, so yeah that's that's really why I think we started the business and I think that's why we are so passionate about what we do and you know we really do think Jensen Jensen has legs um, we've got a little bit of proven success, but we've got a long way to go, man. Yeah, man. I mean, I feel like you're being modest as well. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> I guess as well, like, if Le- especially like Leeds, like, it's like a digital hub. Like, For sure. there's so many, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, mm-hmm. we've, we've worked with a couple of them, yeah, and yeah. like, there's a lot of, lot of clients out there. I mean, to be honest, Leeds is becoming more like rife with mm-hmm. my big clients it's, I mean I want to say it's like the new London I think that's a bit cheesy mm-hmm. uh, but I think there is now people are seeing that you know influx of jobs and competition in like Leeds and Manchester because um, before everyone was like as soon as they graduate up north they're going to London and like yeah. and to be honest I do love it I do I mean I don't know if I can live here but I do enjoy because like you like, know today it's two and a half hours it's two and a half hours it's too long to travel yeah I know, I know. <laughs> it's great. And, and to be fair you got bumped in your Uber coming <laughs> yeah. here so. I'm, I'm getting that refund they, you know, they, they can spot a rookie that's the thing <laughs> yeah. they, they can spot a rookie yeah, um, I agree Leeds, Leeds is definitely uh, it's definitely a hub of yeah. talent and it's attracting really high quality talent we see uh, Burberry Finance move their head office up there so there's there's a huge amount of businesses that are, are creating new opportunities and new jobs there yeah. I think uh 
Leeds has a lot to offer and I think the, the special thing about Leeds and why I'm so happy that we started in Leeds before we migrated down to London was Leeds is so hyper-localised so actually you're able to you know if you do it effectively you're able to build your kind of personal brand build out that kind of brand awareness for your business for yourself very quickly you're able to communicate and meet a lot of people uh, and actually it's not so big that actually you're not going to be able to reach that many people whereas London is very very different it's yeah. our, our whole approach in terms of driving new opportunities in London is completely different Leeds it was restaurant bar and grill <laughs> the white hall you know maybe the, maybe the box Manhattan if we're feeling a little bit yeah <laughs> but that's that's where we were able to drive and cultivate those relationships so Leeds Leeds is a fantastic city and I'd actually urge anyone who hasn't been there to go there and any new business that's there yeah really recognize the opportunity that, that that's there no it's a great place um how how would a client i might actually ask this question before hmm. but how would a client describe you to a friend if they in like a sentence it's a weird one so it is a weird question <laughs> the reason why it's a weird one is because we're so for 2022 we spent the last week and I remember you know, we were talking earlier saying that this week's kind of been a bit sl slow for you you might want to take that for your wife you know this week's been a bit slow for you yeah, yeah. a lot a lot of people kind of being quite sluggish kind of coming yeah, back to work back, yeah. we've used this this week um, and across the Christmas period to really strategize redefine our value propositions and we actually sent out yesterday a client questionnaire to all of our clients ones that we still work with ones that have We've completed projects and kind of gone AWOL and even clients that we lost you know mm. and the reason why we did it is because we wanted to get that honest reflection of what they think of us one person came back to us and the quote that they gave us was I love the passion from the two brothers it's infectious and good for the soul but also you guys allow us to breed a new level of thinking where previously we've ended up in a cul-de-sac mm. I think the main thing is you know it's the energy it's the passion we are pretty much all or nothing guys um, and that's something which is really important but where we're trying to move to this year is being able to set those boundaries as well and I think it's really important if you want to scale and grow your business you need to be able to set those boundaries when you first start a business you are wearing all the hats you're mm. doing everything you're working crazy hours but actually it's quite an unhealthy relationship to have with your business so I would say a lot of our clients would say it's the passion, it's the enthusiasm, um, and, and it's the fact that they know that they can come to us. And I think one of our kind of core things is our clients come to us, they only need to deal with Miles or Bradley, mm -hmm. but actually they get a whole arsenal of firepower of all different specialities and skill sets. So for one of our clients, we did a branding project, we developed their website, we did all the videography for them, we did the animation for them, we did the social content for them. If they didn't come to us, they would have to manage you know, four, five, six different outputs. And it's quite difficult to do that. So I think that's one thing which a lot of our clients like and appreciate about us. But I think the main thing what they say is, uh, yeah, it's, it's the passion, enthusiasm yeah. and, and two very good looking chaps. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it's nice to hear as well, like, you know, especially if you get on with, you get on with them and the, you know, if you enjoy going to those meetings and having those conversations because there's nothing worse than working and getting up in the morning and just not enjoying your job and you want to be able to have like clients you get on with and mm -hmm. have good business relationships as well and I mean that comes on to my later points like just relationships in general mm -hmm. um, but again talking back to business what's your favourite part of the business like is it the creative side the photography side the editing side the staying up late night side you know what <laughs> There's, there's so many things I love about my business. Mm. Um, I think I'm quite lucky, uh, and cheese alert, but I think I'm quite lucky to be able to work for my brother. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that's something that only recently, we, we've gone through some difficult times with some of our clients, we've gone through some difficult changes within the business, COVID, you know, Miles ended up moving down to London. First of all, that was quite difficult. You know, there was a lot of pressure on me to be able to manage all of the Leeds clients. Naturally, I'm in Leeds. Um, but ultimately, I feel very lucky to be able to work with him. Um, and I think it's a really powerful dynamic. And I think it's something that a lot of other people don't have. And they have to either put their trust in a friend or a colleague, which sometimes can forge the most, the most best of friendships ever. But I have family and I know that no matter what, he's always got my back and I've always got his. So I think that's one thing for me, which is my favorite part of the business. I do also love the fact that every single piece of work that we do, we kind of deliver beautiful work time and time again 
we give it our rule and our clients appreciate that and the fact that we have a, almost a sense of freedom and anonymity that we do control our days to a certain extent yes I'm like I mean even yesterday I had a client email me at 6.30 I didn't reply because I was sleeping obviously <laughs> call me at 7 <laughs> you know so you know there are certain times where it's, it's difficult but I love the fact that I do have that freedom and I think across the last 12 to 18 months that's something which I've, I've really really appreciated the fact that if I don't feel like going into work that day and this is an absolute rarity I don't actually have to yeah um yeah. and sometimes you know you need to be able to do that for yourself um and I think you know one thing is I get asked the question about success a lot as well and that's one thing for me is you know the ability to have that freedom so that is the most favorite thing about my business um I'm, I'm in the process of buying an apartment and oh, sweet. no no it's it's crazy it's crazy and it was only my mortgage broker he said to me you need to take a step back and just realize that you know you're actually doing quite well the, the fact is you, you're funding your own deposit you're funding the the purchase of a property off your own back off your own business so you know, kind of give yourself some props to that and so it's those small it's those well that's not a small win but it is those small wins that yeah. kind of kind of ignite me and they are the things that i love about the business so it's like good milestones as well i suppose sure like everyone's like you know first job first house you know first kid I don't know if you've got yeah, first yeah, kid yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, no that's cool and I guess like, the whole thing about freedom like with the books opposite of you you know that you're like your own boss and um, like you said working with your brother as well I mean I I have two brothers okay they, they won't listen to this I can slate on it <laughs> so they actually asked my boss oh yeah you can listen to podcasts he's like well I'm a physiotherapist so I'll listen to it I was like oh yes well screw you yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. but yeah I could work with my brothers I mean as much as I like them we're very very different people um, it's challenging yeah. like I'll, I'll be completely honest it is challenging because I think there's also especially <laughs> the fact that myself and Miles we are twin brothers as yeah. well it does add that that extra layer of we've had to really really quickly grow up uh, in terms of how we approach each other within the business because ultimately there is always going to be that slight ego of well actually you know you can't tell me what to do you can't and and that's that you get that with all family that's just a family dynamic and it's a challenge and i think a lot of people don't realize unless you actually work with your family but the one thing is with it is like i said he's got my back i've got his back uh, it's challenging and sometimes I'm like you know I don't even want to talk to you today <laughs> I'm just going to crack on but at the same time it's it's the much bigger picture and we, we have the North Star of where we want to go um, and so we're just continually focused on, on kind of that mission to you know achieve, achieve what we want to achieve and, and you know as long as every single day we're driving towards that it's the most important thing for us I guess you touched on uh, obviously speaking of both of you um you both went to university mm-hmm. uh, and I guess a whole I guess one of the reasons you know this podcast became about was because you know especially when I was at uni uh, I don't know if you found this as well there wasn't a lot of material like, you know you had your course lectures mm-hmm. and you, mm-hmm. you like your parents might have kind of understood about it but they didn't really couldn't really help mm-hmm. you um, and I think there wasn't a lot of material out there so I think for me it was more you know if university students can find a podcast which maybe influences you know it's not necessarily about success and mm-hmm. it's very much marketing related mm-hmm. but Speaking of university, did you find any courses in particular, like in particular that like helped you after graduation? I mean, I know for me it was like a digital marketing course and like final year. I don't know if you did one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was like Neil Kelly. Shout out to Neil Kelly. I just, you know what? <laughs> I shouted. It was so weird because I shouted Neil out on Twitter. I didn't realize that he followed me, <laughs> and he just like he tweeted me back, and I was like, "Oh my god, best day ever! You are the MVP of Leeds." He's not the dad. Like, is everyone the dad? Yeah, I'm like you're the MVP. Like, no, let me buy you a beer. Um, but no, I think to answer your question, the the courses within university, I think that there's a certain degree of rigor, which is very beneficial. I think university definitely has its place within individuals' personal development whether the course itself actually helped me in terms of my career I'm not so sure I think there are some frameworks of the theory yeah. which as I've started to grow the business and when we look at certain things you know such as you know, branding or even, even just general kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs I can start to see how those dots connect with my day to day in business i just not sure whether university was the catalyst for me launching my business and whether it's been a true attribution for where I am today the one thing that I do think is with university is it taught me the interpersonal skills and it gave me that exposure to a lot of different people 
Um, it taught me, you know, that actually being in a room with so many different people, so many different people who are going to challenge you, not not just kind of socially, but intellectually as well, was really beneficial. And it kind of brings, it kind of keeps you a little bit grounded as well. Whether I think that university is worth nine grand, however much it it's is, got more now. it's like it's ninety more, fifty, isn't it? It's crazy. Whether I think that that is worth what you're getting out of it, I don't know. I think it really depends on what career path you're taking. Typical answer, if you're going to be a doctor, yes, go to university. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to be a marketer, do you need to go to uni? I, d- I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? I think it's a bit of a debate. I had it with my, um, I don't know which guest it was. It might have been with Lewis. Um, I don't know. We had this debate where, you know, I had that same argument where I have friends who didn't go to uni and did marketing. They didn't. They just went to agencies and mm-hmm. they, you know, left college at eighteen, mm-hmm. and they're now like like account managers in like great firms, like above doing like better work than me. You know, with more responsibility. Of but then I'm like also that that patient side of thing where you go to university, you do the four years, and like you might have friends the same age as you or younger than you, earning more money, and you know, mm-hmm. you see them like doing all these cool things, buying houses. Um, I'll still live at home. <laughs> like, I'm 26. I'm like, that's fine. Like, obviously, course, yeah, it obviously it bothers you a little bit, but at the same time, I know in like five years' time, I'm going to be exactly where I need to be. Sure. But I think with marketing, it's, uh, is that weird debate? Like, do, does it really cost you, like, do you need to get like 60 grand in debt with like your loans and your, your bursaries? Yeah. And it's like, because I think there is that, I, that, I think it's the same, I think it's on my LinkedIn profile where it's, you know, universities, the fundamentals and the theories backed up by, real life practice which you can do yourself yeah. um, and I like you said the hi- Maslow's hierarchy of needs it's funny you mentioned that because I quoted that to my friend I was like oh yeah but Maslow's hierarchy of needs you wouldn't know about this anywhere else but I think it's that is that debate and I'd, I personally glad I went yeah, same. because I met people who helped me along the way you sure. know like, Neil, like even like Neil Kelly yeah, like, sure. I spoke to him the other week mm-hmm. and like he helped me get po- that last podcast he helped mm-hmm. me get that and if, if I hadn't gone to uni, I would have probably be here right now. Would have met, I wouldn't even met you. 100%. So it's kind of like these little little things and you can kind Definitely. of, like these little like stepping stones, and, you know, people got placement and they get all that life experience. And I think you can say, you know, it's not useful, but then you have no idea where you would be without it. But again, it's, it's everyone's personal opinion. It's so true. And I think, you know, how often is this question asked? It's, yeah. I think it's a continuous debate that is always going to be asked. I don't think there's ever a right or wrong answer to it. I do feel university is a bit like a gym membership. You kind of yeah. go there, you, you, you pay your monthly fee. It's <laughs> expensive. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe a very expensive gym, but you kind of pay, you pay, you pay your fee, uh, but all the tools are there, whether you use them and whether you're, whether you're going to commit and apply yourself, that's completely up to you. But the tools are there. And like I said, some of the courses, the rigor is really good for that personal development. Of course, I think the foundational methods, uh, the foundational knowledge that you get from certain courses, fantastic, as we've just mentioned. But you do have now, you've got YouTube, you've got work experience, you have fantastic networks of individuals who can teach you all of these skills. And I think there's the blend between hard skills and soft skills. University can teach you a bit of both, but really the hard skills, you can probably learn on YouTube. You know, If I want to learn how to do Adobe Photoshop, I'm not going to go do a design course. I'm going to jump on YouTube yeah. for, you know, a thousand hours that's and a while but yeah, that's yeah. it that's yeah. it but then university does also teach you those soft skills the interpersonal skills as I mentioned yeah. which you are unable to get from textbooks which you're unable to get from uh, YouTube you have to be immersed in that in that entire experience but you know I think you need that blend of those skills to be successful I do think university has a place but I'm, I'm not I'm not so sure it's different for everyone right yeah I think it's especially now I think it's becoming a bit more like relevant to how people view you know education mm-hmm. people i think maybe 20 years ago it was just a done thing and even oh, 10 years even when we went i think it was just a done thing and i mean i went to bradford uni before i went to leeds mm-hmm. and i went to do a finance course because mm-hmm. i wanted to be a banker mm-hmm. i'm terrible at maths <laughs> i am awful i can't i have like undiagnosed adhd i can't sit still for more than 10 minutes i'm the same like, and I'm it's like same. why did that be mate it's, it's our superpower, it's our <laughs> yeah, superpower. It is to be fair, it's a blessing and a curse and you know what it's fine and i'm glad i failed at that university to find Lee's beckett mm-hmm. but it is this debate and I, and I think everyone's got their own choices but also it's it, it is it is hard i don't want to say like go or don't go i think it depends personal circumstances i think i think like going to uni so early i think that's i think that's a dangerous thing 18 is, is it 18 yeah it, it is 18 it is 18, 19, it yeah. is 18. Yeah. I, dangerous is the wrong word i think it's a it's a slippery thing because ultimately you are amassing a huge amount of debt yeah you have nothing to measure that against 
So you're actually, it's very difficult to comprehend what that debt looks like in terms of day-to-day reality. Course, student finance, I hate those guys. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, they're going to send you a letter saying these are going to be your monthly payments. But actually, it's still very difficult yeah. to visualize and, yeah. and actually comprehend that. Interest I think rates. what would be exactly interest rates, I think what would be a much better formality or structure would be leave school at 18, go into industry for two years, start university 2021, finish within three years, come out 24, then start your career. That's how I would personally, yeah. that's what I personally recommend to anyone. I just think that you need enough time to be able to figure out what you want to do and and the biggest thing I'd say is you know the start of people's careers is quite messy and often non-linear and that's a bloody good thing you mm. need that it's it's very very rare to find individuals that have that laser sharp focus from A levels have managed to align their A levels the university the placement to job there are people out there that have done that. I have friends within my network who knew straight from the jump what they wanted to do. And that's also brilliant. But I think that kind of non-linear, that messy approach to figuring out what you need to do, it's it's needed. And yeah. it's not just for your career, but it's also for you as an individual to grow uh, for that personal development. So I, I, like, I like the answer the whole two years mm-hmm. in the industry. I think, that's, I think that's where you learn, especially mm-hmm. that's what I learned a mm-hmm. lot of just like life life skills you know who where like hierarchy like hierarchy and you know showing up on time and personal skills and you just learn how business works and operates and it's not just you know show up at a desk and do work you've got to think it. about all the little things as well that's it that's um it. i suppose touching on another point is there any advice you'd give to say a marketing graduate leaving leeds beckett at like 21 is there any advice you'd particularly give them this there's so there's so much i could say on this but it really depends one on kind of circumstance, individual, who they are, what they want to achieve. I would say if we were talking about specifically marketing, um, fundamentally, you know, building your personal brand is so, so imperative. And I'm not talking kind of that wishy-washy BS that we see online, but building your LinkedIn profile, building that TikTok profile. If, you, if you're good at something or if you have that one particular niche, start building that from early. Um, I think that's super super important I think you need to challenge everything um, absolutely everything and when I look back to some of our most successful clients and even the point you made earlier about me enjoying working with my clients some of the clients I have the best relationship with and I most enjoy working with now I hated working with them in the beginning and the reason being is because we were challenging everything and there was a lot of pushback on that but you need to do that um, you need to do that because it allows you to understand what they're thinking but also allows you to kind of grow um, your mindset and also grow kind of what, what your thinking is and like I said I think you know if you can learn a particular skill whatever that may be do it own it and own that vehicle uh, that vertical but at the same time it's easier said than done right yeah it's easier said than done in so many aspects I mean I, I remember I was I listened to the the, the Rob uh, the Journey Further podcast. Yeah, Rob Skidmore. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Rob Skidmore, and he he made you know he made a really he made a few quite good points. You know, one about success for him was initially you know about you know creating this this kind of wealth and the money, but then as soon as he achieved that, it was then about kind of growth for individuals, and that's what he thrived on. Um, but also, you know, where you mentioned about if you want to be a videographer, you know, pick up a, pick up a camera and yeah. start a YouTube for five years. Yeah. It's so it's so it's so much easier said than yeah. Done. It's like the pay, and it comes back to that patience thing. Um, and I was obviously my last podcast with Charlotte. You know, I asked her the same question. Or she was just like, you know, she's had people come for interviews where they've had you know their own content, they've had a YouTube channel, they've had a blog. And I think especially for now with like you know the rise of social media and TikTok, you know, you've got uh, like twelve year olds doing like TikTok mm-hmm. and they're making mm-hmm. you like seventeen. I know like seventeen year olds making money off TikTok and like and crazy money and crazy well. money like crazy and they kind money. of and, and like eight, all eighteen year olds like they're moving to their own apartments yeah. and they got like TikTok followers and like I don't really understand TikTok as a brand. Like, I uh-huh. didn't download it for like six months because uh-huh. I'm addicted to my phone. I had to uh-huh. leave Snapchat. Uh-huh. I had to get rid of apps. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I think I because I watched that documentary on Netflix. Is that uh, yeah. what's it called? Oh, I know the one you're talking Oh, no, no, wait, hang on. <laughs> What's it called? The, you know which one I mean? Though, yeah, I know which the, one you mean. And they had like the thing in the middle where it was like, yeah. Digital, some, no. Was, no, oh, I was going to say, it wasn't social, social. Was it Social Dilemma? Yeah, was it, yeah. Social yeah. Dilemma. And I watched that and I looked at my screen, that's like seven hours a day, like four hours on Instagram. I know, it's crazy. I'm right? like, what am I doing? I mean, like now it's like LinkedIn's like the most used app and I'm like, you know what? It kills, it kills product. Like, it was so interesting because I was having this discussion. We all have those group chats with our boys. So, 
I've got the Mandem group chat <laughs> with my boys, and it, there's around 18 of us, and 18 people. there's 18 people in this one chaos. chat. That's that's one of my smaller group chats. You know, I've, I've got a crypto group chat with 100 people in, but uh, there's the Mandem group chat, and you know, you know when something is going off because the notifications, your phone just starts having spasm, yeah. right? It just starts <laughs> yeah. buzzing till it falls off the table. But they were discussing yesterday the whole concept of Molly May, Love Island influencers the role of kind of Instagram. And for me, I feel that with platforms such as TikTok, Instagram, even kind of RIP Vine as well, it's split into, we're, we're in a creator economy, right? Mm. And it's, you either are selling the product or you are the product. And I think that's kind of how I view it. I've now shifted from being so wrapped up in consumption of you know content all the time to the shift of actually the one creating that content. Um, it limits my time on these platforms because actually I have a sole purpose. Once I've created this piece of content, posted it, that's I don't need to be on the platform anymore. Um, and I think that's something that's really, really important. But if you can build these these social platforms, this is what people want to see, right? And, and this is where even for us, we're looking at bolstering our TikTok because we did one video on TikTok and we got 200,000 views. <laughs> Yeah. And it's crazy, Sam, because you post that with no followers, you're able to get that. You post that on Instagram, you're getting nothing apart from your mum who has a burner account liking it, saying, oh, well done, son. You know what I mean? So it's, <laughs> you know, we know who you are. And we, we know who you, you are. You. Yeah, I think so if it doesn't pop up your contact mum. <laughs> but, you know, so I think being able to create content on these platforms is absolutely essential. I think being able to build a personal brand on these channels is absolutely essential. And I don't think people realize the value of being able to do that, and especially within the marketing landscape. I'm I'm looking to bring TikTok creators on. I'm not looking for a TikTok expert. I'm looking for someone who's about to grow their account from zero to heroes, creating amazing content and own that niche because they are gonna be able to drive more value than someone who can give me a two hour lecture on the rise of TikTok, yeah, the yeah. birth of it. So. Yeah, I think that's super important. Yeah, no, it's good. Some good answers. Um, Echoes, one of the most important questions for this podcast is how do you personally define success? I know you answered earlier about the whole freedom, but is there anything else you'd probably touch upon? Yeah, sure. I suppose it is very similar to the answer I already gave, but I, I, I want to elaborate on it. It's for me, and I can't answer this directly for Miles, but it is a discussion that we've had, and I think we are quite aligned on this, but for me personally, Success is the freedom of being able to make choices, but also empower myself and others around me. It's not the find of being able to bail people out of money or you know invest in their businesses, but actually to be able to give them your time, your attention, and be there for them as and when they need without consequence or, or without you know any any type of resentment or anything. So if I if someone needs me success is for me to be able to cool I'm gonna jump on a plane I'll be there tomorrow doesn't matter like mm. I can prioritize you straight away and that for me is super important of course I think you know monetary success has a role within that yeah of course yeah. It, it, it allows that it allows those options and it allows you to kind of do th certain things without restriction but it is it is that freedom and it is for me being able to give my time to people that need it the most yeah. So that's that's kind of that's kind of my view on it. I mean, how do you define success? This is a question of the day, I suppose. <laughs> no, I mean, because obviously for me, my my entire career to date, I've like I've mentioned, I've only worked for I've only worked for a couple companies. So I've pretty much been the driver of my own journey as such. So I've never really had a different I haven't really had a different mindset in terms of working at a company and my success is going to be I want to become you know manage direct, managing director of that company it's always been well, it's never been about a role itself it's been outside of that but for you as someone who kind of works within the industry how do you define that? I mean exactly, I suppose it's this weird thing where like, everyone's going to have their own different version of it mm -hmm. and I think a lot of the time you'll hear the same thing you know, like freedom money be able to have my family be able to go on holiday with my friends and I think for me it's like I don't like when people say, oh, money's not part of being successful. And it's like- Of course it is. And I hate, I hate this thing where it's like, money does 
I don't want to say rule of the world, that's super cheesy, but it does evolve a lot. You can't just go up, like you said, you can't just go to play. It costs it's options. money, yeah. It's like, and it gives you options. And that's, that's it, this whole thing about like money does it equal happiness. I agree, it doesn't in the long run, but I think it can open up a lot of doors. Mm-hmm. I think if you're, you know, if you're stuck in your house in the UK, you feel you're low and you can't, you know, go out and do things, you can't spend money, but you can, if you've got, if you've got enough money to do stuff, so, you can go on a plane, you can work Agreed. in a nice office on a beach Agreed. somewhere. And, it, and I know it's like a little, people will probably, you know, have, I'll probably get some backlash off this where people are, all you, all you care about is money. And I think no, all of my friends, they still say to me, like, obviously, like you obviously care about, you know, being successful and having lots of money. I'm like, well, I suppose that's part of it. But I don't see that as like money's not the thing that drives me. I'm not like waiting for that no. ma- ma- massive paycheck. No, no, no. Um, and like mo- I suppose a lot of people where they get promotions and jobs, they're not necessarily going for the money. Because I know some people would. I don't know if it was like a LinkedIn poll where it was like, would you take a promotion at work if the salary was still the same? And I think a lot of people were like, well, yeah, because it's still a promotion mm-hmm. and that that money will follow later. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I don't care if I'm broke till I'm 35 mm-hmm. because if I hit 35. And then I'm not gonna say come into my millions or anything like that, but if I come into like money or you know, mm-hmm. I finally get there, that's fine because then I've been patient and I can enjoy it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think people who become very like affluent very quickly mm-hmm. probably don't become very nice people. No, I, I definitely I definitely agree with that. I but, think there's yeah. a couple a couple of things to kind of react on that is I think money, like I said, money gives you options and humans as kind of our nature is we like to be able to have that anonymity we like to feel that we have control over our life and i think the worst thing that people experience is when they don't have options they feel that their options are being taken away from them they're being boxed into having to get up and go to their nine to five having to work because they've got the mortgage payments they have you know their children that they need to pay for and, and by the way this is a consensus which is shared across the whole of the UK, yeah. across probably the, the, the entire kind of first world uh, countries as such, you know, there's people where that is the worst thing for them is the fact that they are stuck in a rut. Yeah. I think culmination of small, meaningful habits, they say it takes around 27 months for those small habits to then turn into kind of a curve. And like you said, being broken until you're up until you're 35 and then going into millions, well, actually, I don't think that's unrealistic because not in terms of you being broke for that long. <laughs> full disclaimer, full disclaimer. But with one of our previous businesses uh, and one of our mentors, when we raised investment for small amount, meaning small amount of investment, you know, tens of thousands, not hundreds or not millions. But he always, I'll never forget this, and I see it all the time. The combination of small habits, it then goes into a J. And not even for Jensen, but hockey <laughs> it's a hockey stick. Yeah. So it's you work, 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 27 months, and then suddenly you have this absolute parabolic growth. And that is the culmination of these really small habits, really small actions that you're going to take. And when you compound that over a really long period of time, that's then when you get that explosive yeah. growth. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, that it's not, it's not just, I'm going to do this for six months and then boom. But when when it does, when it does pop off, it goes fast yeah. and you know you can go from zero to hero very quickly but it's it's not by accident no no it's not by accident wait for my crypto to come in 20 years <laughs> aren't, aren't we all yeah aren't ethereum we, is going to pop in 20 years i keep telling people say, aren't, aren't don't sell don't sell no no i think yeah i think you t- touch on some good points i mean i think Matt, you said everyone's got their own version of it like you said like money is obviously a big part of it you know freedom mm-hmm. being able to like take my friends on holiday mm-hmm. And like not having to then pay for you know pay for flights and like that's I think about what I want to do in the morning. I'm like, oh, I want to take my friends to Spain sure. or fifty because we've gone holiday every year. I go to Cornwall and like it is expensive. Of course, and we're all like adults and we could afford it. But it'd be nice to be able to say, lads, I booked a holiday. Well, girls yeah. as well, uh, booked a holiday. You know, flights paid for, hotels paid for. Just turn up, just turn up to the turn up to the airport this time. Yeah, and like you, you, people can say, oh, yeah, what a dickhead. You know, but I'm like, well, it's what about to do nice things for my friends? One hundred. And like you know, buy my mom a new car or get a new roof in my hat like just stuff like that and I think people like think oh yeah first class Ferraris and Lambos it's like oh, that, that stuff's cool for a week but well, the yeah. thing is it's so, it's so interesting because one of my mentors is based out in Lisbon and he had an agency he exited very very decent amount and he's now essentially living his best life but he had a birthday and he flew everyone out and he did a whole weekend where he just brought along it was around 15 people of his really close friends um, and family and for him that was the 
best thing that he could have done. Yeah. He could have gone and bought himself a new Ferrari. He could have gone, you know, taking him and and, and his uh, and, and his partner away on a global trip. But what he wants to do is actually spend that money on other people. Yeah. Because for him, that was the most important thing. And, you know, being able to build those memories. And like I said, once again, having the option to be able to do that is so yeah. important. So I think, yeah, it's, it is super important. And I think anyone that disagrees with money not being an attribute to success... I don't know what to say to you. I, I, don't, I don't know what to say to <laughs> no, you. No, 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 it's fine. I, I don't think, know what to say to you. I, I would disagree with that. Yeah, no, I think like you said, it's like, it's those small little, like that's the joy, isn't it? Like being able to go and take your family somewhere or mm-hmm. just little things like that. And I think there is that, you know, you see like Instagram side of things where all like the, the, the fluffiness of like, you know, all these things and like having nice things. But it's like, with my head, and I think a lot of people would agree, like their, their idea of success is in a Prada bag mm-hmm. and a nice car. They're like, it might be it, but you know, obviously you're, like, you're all human. Mm-hmm. We're all going to buy something stupid if we've got a lot of money. I had it all the time. I spend a lot of money on. You should see my Klarna account, man. Oh, <laughs> I'm having to pay it off every month. Right. <laughs> like, not, it's not a lot, but like, it's there. And I'm like, everyone's got the vice, haven't they? You know, yeah, of if course. it's clothes or holidays or cars. And I think everyone's got the right thing, but I think it's just been smart, um, smart in money. Yeah. I think as well, I suppose that leads on you know, to my next, I'm coming towards the end because I know we've, We've been speaking 15 minutes and we've covered a lot. I think you've covered a lot of the questions just in your own answers before. Um, but obviously, like, do you think being successful is, you know, is something to strive for, like, as a young adult in, like, business or marketing? Do you think it's, I want to say the word healthy, but do you think it's, because obviously we've got, everyone's success, want to be successful on their own, you know, yeah. their own what they're doing. But I suppose for you, obviously, marketing business, do you think it's, like a good thing for you know like an eighteen year old to be you know wanting to be an entrepreneur, want to do a startup. You think that's something yeah. they should strive for? Yeah, I mean, look, I think if you want to, then yes. But once again, it, it comes down to how you measure that and how you quantify it. Right? Yeah. Do I think there's anything wrong with not continually wanting to strive to be successful? No. Some people's happiness isn't actually based off you know reaching a certain point within their career or reaching a certain amount within their bank account. For some people. Um, and it really depends on kind of their situation at the time. Some people it might just be having their family around them all the time. It, for some people, it might just be having that steady income, that routine, and just being able to you know wake up every single day and go to work, come back, spend their time with their loved ones. I think in for in in terms of having that drive to be successful, I think it is very healthy. I think we do need to be careful of how success is reflected when we look at social channels such as Instagram because I think that can breed once again negativity is the wrong word but it can breed quite a big deception on how success is actually obtained Yeah, and like I said it's a culmination of small habits say around 27 months for you to start seeing results of your work so I think that's one thing I think for entrepreneurial for entrepreneurs if you're an entrepreneur you're going to have that innate itch and the only way you're going to be able to itch that itch as such (laughs) is by just getting up every yeah. single day and doing doing what you love to do. So I think, you know, for young people, it's very important for them to want to be successful, but I also think it's very important for them to understand and define what success is. But you have to go through the motions to understand that, right? You're not going to... And as we, just, as we just mentioned as well, about leaving university, about leaving school at 18, going straight into uni, whereas I would say my model would be flip it, you know, leave school, yeah. go work two years, then go to university... Once you've completed kind of that five-year block, you're going to understand, okay, for me, success is going to be, I want to be the managing director of Google, whatever whatever company it's going to be. Whereas I think a lot of people don't understand what it is and the whole social economy is really driving. It's It's that whole, like, this hard work equals success. And it's like, it's it's weird one because it's like, people's like, you know, people people say like they work harder than others, but then I don't know if that's true. No, I I I don't know if that's true. And I think, Working working harder than others doesn't equate success. No, no. Working myself and Miles for the first year of our business were working crazy hard. Crazy, crazy hard. But the penny dropped, we were working like busy fools. You know, <laughs> yeah. no, we were working like busy fools and we were working on smaller clients that were low hanging fruit, didn't appreciate the work that we were doing and the amount of effort they were putting in. There was also a lack of client maturity there. So they didn't understand actually the investment that was needed on their side, that this is a collaboration, it's a collaborative approach for us to you know, achieve what they want, whether that's commercial creative goals. And so, you know, working hard, I don't think directly attributes to being successful. I think it is, you know, working hard, working smart. And also you need to have some form of support network around you. Yeah. If you don't have that, 
it just makes it so much harder. And that's something that we've realized by having fantastic mentors. We've had great mentors across the last four or five years, all of them from different different industries. You know, from one of our one of our one of our key mentors was was our lawyer. Uh, um, one of them was was a tech start, was a was a was a tech investor. And now more recently, an um, uh, agency owner who exited. And these mentors have been able to guide us and pivot us in the way that actually we needed to go. But we also, some of our best mentors are our friends. And it's crazy because the reason why they're such great mentors is because they're not trying to give us the business advice, the marketing advice. They're just trying to keep us grounded. Mm. And you need that. And I think if you lose the ability to stay grounded, I don't know because I don't feel I'm successful yet. But I think that that is a recipe for losing it so quickly no I think it's a, I think it's a good answer I think you touched on uh, some good points and I think yeah like everyone's on their own path and I think it's just find what you want to do and, I, and like you said university is quite hard when you're 18 because you kind of like left to your own devices a little bit and you need that support almost and kind of you need that time to not just dive into student debt you need that time to be able to you know figure out what you want to do mm-hmm. so I think the whole you know work experience part of things as well is super useful a um, couple of questions left. I mean, I'm, I'm conscious of the time. Uh, we could be here for hours if it was up to me, but right. you know, you know, Saturday afternoon, you know, we've got a bit of things to do, I guess. Saturday, <laughs> um, yeah, you did. Saturday. You mentioned it earlier. Obviously, you said you're like a WhatsApp group with NF, uh, cryptos and stuff. Yeah, sure. Do you, what's like your opinion, like NFTs and like cryptocurrencies? Because I'm not actually asked any guests before, but I figured I saw you know a couple of LinkedIn posts about mm-hmm. it, and mm-hmm. I figured you know see your side of it yeah sure i think look the the crypto space is is super interesting i think it's an opportunity for a lot of people to create generational wealth we had the shift of kind of the um, industrial boom where we had people who were capitalizing on that then we had the dot-com boom which is how for example my dad uh, that's kind of how his career kind of took off was he was initially started off as a as a junior developer and then as soon as the dot-com boom hit, he was the only person in the whole company to know. They then put him in charge of a team of 30 people. So that's, I think, then we had the rise of kind of social, the unicorns, and now it is crypto. Yeah. I think people need to be very careful. I think it's quite sensationalized at the same time. So I think there's a lot of fake advertising online. We saw that one, which was uh, Crypto Eats. Did you see that? No, 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 not, no, no, no. So there was a, it's called a rug pool, and a rug pool is basically where they do huge amount of um, promoting of a particular crypto coin token whatever it may be they everyone you know floods in they, they start investing in APIN as the term is and then they pull and basically everyone loses their money Crypto Eats was uh, quite a recent example of that and if you haven't seen it definitely go research that, that. Will, yeah. um, and I think that's that's the one difficulty and challenge that I think crypto faces I think a big challenge as well is now my mom has started sending me stuff about crypto. <laughs> All of my aunties are the aunties are forwarding on WhatsApp, you know, buy, buying this on, on, on Coinbase. And I'm like, wait, hang on, what's what's going on here? I think NFTs are really, really interesting. Yeah. And I think that's that's a super, super interesting play for people to actually retain ownership of that and also to be able to put value um, on on their their assets, whether that's art, whether that's music, wherever it may be. It's something that we're actively exploring in J&J. I think Meta Web 3.0 as well is a huge opportunity. And I think that's the next opportunity for us. And I think it's the next opportunity for a lot of upcoming marketers and, and kind of content creators. Um, there's one called MetaFluence and they're trying to be a kind of influencer agency for Web 3.0 for the Meta. And once again, I think that's, that's a huge opportunity. We're very passive within crypto. We are not traders at all. You know, we don't pretend to be. We've been investing in cryptocurrency. I've personally been investing in cryptocurrency since 2017, 2018. I made some shit plays across. The- <laughs> <laughs> well, Bitcoin was yeah. uh, it was 20, It was like September 2017, wasn't it? When Bitcoin kind of like started taking off. I was in I was in I was in Thailand, and I remember I was uh, I was in Thailand, and I remember that everything went parabolic, and I remember looking at my girlfriend, and I was like fucking made it I was like yo we're rich like we're staying out there. Get the moe, but, yeah. then, but then what happened was, was we got really sick and I was bed bound for three days and then my portfolio like crashed by like 80% and I was like yeah we need to uh, we, we can't go to Japan now we need to go home we actually need, let's just get on a plane and go home yeah um, but I think for us you know we're, we're continually investing in that we're, that's how one thing we've been diversifying all of our assets and by all of the profit that, that we get in from any of our clients, we immediately invest 10% of that straight away into cryptocurrency. Yeah. The reason being is we're here, we're not here for a short time, we're here for a long time. 
we'd see this as a five to ten year play um, and there's no other great opportunity to make wealth there's like I would I'd love for someone to tell me what yeah, else there about, is I'm like, what, could it, what, what else like, what else is there to make yeah. that that amount of wealth that quickly but I do think a lot of people being de- desensitized to it you know you <laughs> I remember one of my friends he invested in Solana I invest yeah, a yeah, he, bit, yeah he got in he got in around I think he got in around like 15 15 dollars and it was a few months ago went up like past a hundred dollars yeah and he was like yeah no I'm just gonna wait for it to go I'm like bro like you've made over like a 5,000% gain. <laughs> How are you not like, this, this is, is like, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Even doubling your money within the market is absolutely amazing. Yeah. So I think that's the one dangerous thing. A lot of people are desensitized to it, but education is super needed. We need regulation within that market. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that will then allow us to get more and more retail investors in and actually then be able to turn it into something where people can actually use it on a day-to-day basis. But it's interesting. Um, uh, do you have your crypto? Do you have a crypto card? Uh, no, I got a crypto card. No, I was looking at getting. Cause I know like there is. There's quite, they look quite cool to be fair. But I just trade on. Um, I trade on like a couple of platforms. like train two one two, obviously. <laughs> but that's not fair. That's not for crypto. And obviously Coinbase, Binance. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I want. I like obviously like the idea of NFTs because I wanted to have like Pokemon NFT. Yeah, and yeah. That'd be so cool. I've seen you start collecting them. We, yeah. Um, oh, it's so, so I mean, it's the nostalgia. Yeah, open I, up, I, I, I was smelling it. Smelling it. Like, like, oh, this. <laughs> so we so we we started buying bunch of nfts we just decided that there's there's a few that we that we know are gonna gonna pop but what we've also done on the side is we've bought a whole bunch of nfts that all have the jensen jensen brand colors that's cool um so we're just gonna try to build an entire collection of that um but at the same time it's a risk right it's a punt yeah it's like it's that whole thing like don't invest more than you can lose and, for sure you know i'm like i'll always set aside some money to start every month and think you know and the more i'll learn the more i invest but i'm not going to be putting like £500 a month into because no, no, sure. it's just not sustainable when you've got like cars to pay off and like sure. your, you know, your insurance and your phone. Sure. Things add up though, and there's so I think it's just being smart and people think they have to invest like, all this money. Mm. Like you can put £10 a month in yeah, for 20 for sure. years for sure. on different penny stocks sure. or cryptos or NFTs, and over 20 years, yeah, be patient. For sure. but you, it only takes one of them to do well. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And I think, like, I think. It's, it's, it's one of those ones where people are, are really looking for that quick win and kind of wrapping it up and going full circle. I think the one message I'd say is to be successful in pretty much anything is a culmination of, you know, continual habits aggregated across a period of time. And that's something that I've seen with cryptocurrency. Um, and it's something that I think everyone needs to understand that if you can just dollar, dollar, dollar cost average your investments across five years, you're gonna make money. You're yeah, gonna make money. Yeah. But if you're trying to if you're trying to put five to ten k, which I know some of my friends have done, into a meme coin, um, and then Elon Musk decides he wants he's gonna go on a, on a tweeting warfare for one day, you're probably your your bets are probably aren't, aren't, yeah. aren't gonna favor you. Yeah. So I think it's super interesting. Um, we're definitely we're definitely heavily invested within that space, both both financially, but also in terms of knowledge and, and time. Um, so it's something that. I think we just need to see how it plays out across the yeah. next five years. It's not going anywhere, though. No, no, no. That's why it'd probably be interesting to hear your take, and you know, you've got clearly got some good points, and you're well educated on it. Um, you did touch on it earlier as well about you know what's next. Can you say what's next for Jensen Jensen? Yeah, sure. So, like I said, we we spent the last two weeks really redefining our kind of value proposition, um, and that's really about being a visual language and re- relationship driven company. We're not an agency, and I think that's one thing I want to make clear: we are not an agency. Um, we are we're a company, we're a consultancy, but we're we're not an agency. And I think we're going to continue to work with some of our legacy clients. And we have a lot of productions coming up, so a lot of pretty cool shoots. One of them, which I can which I can mention, is with uh, one of our clients called David Morris, which is a the luxury uh, jewelers based on Bond Street. So diamonds are forever from James Bond, named after their craftsmanship. So we've got some really cool shoots going up with them. But we're just really looking to hone down and, and own that vertical. Um, we don't want to grow Jensen Jensen into a 100-man business. That's actually not what we want to do. We want to grow it into a highly profitable but flexible company. Uh, and we want to be bringing on board great talent, great individuals. And very similar to, to Rob Skidmore, we're all about growth um, as individuals um, and our team and also our clients as well. So this year should be really exciting. Uh, we're focusing massively on branding, production, key messaging, uh, you know, design. So anything around that, if, if you need something, <laughs> holler J&J, and we're, we're definitely here to help. But 
Yeah, so keep, keep an eye on LinkedIn. We have some interesting things coming yeah. up later this year and definitely looking to go overseas as well. Um, we're going to be going to Portugal at the end of next month um, to for a couple of clients um, and a couple of pitches that we're hoping to, to try and win. So should be should be an exciting year. No, it sounds very exciting. Uh, looking forward to see what happens. Thanks, bro. Uh, final question. Uh, obviously, if you've listened to a few of the episodes before, you probably know what it's going to be. Um, you're walking down the street. Uh, your 10 year old self comes like running towards you uh, asking you all these questions and you're kind of like oh you can only tell him one one thing what would it be? It's a hard question. <laughs> it is a hard question because there's, there's a couple of things I'd like to say. My pragmatic advice would be be good at two things that are interconnected. That would be my pragmatic advice. My kind of fluffy advice would be just change the things that you can and not the things that you can't. Don't focus on them, don't waste your energy on that. So that's that's probably what I'd say, but I, the one that's probably gonna get most value for people is, yeah, just be be good at two things that are interconnected and the harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah. And I know, I know that kind of contradicts what we said about hard work, but it is, no. to a certain degree, it's true. Like the harder you work, mm-hmm. the luckier you're gonna get. You're lucky gonna breaks get. Of, line, course, of course, of yeah. course. So I think I think that's it, and just make make sure you have that installed within you, and it's never too late to start. No, like it's it's never too late to start. But yeah, ten, 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 <laughs> seventeen year old Brad, he would be like, listen, bro, go away, keep man. Your Pokemon cards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep your Pokemon cards and do not sell your Bitcoin. That actually, no, 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 no. You know, what? scrap everything. Do not sell your Bitcoin in twenty eighteen, bro. Keep your Bitcoin. <laughs> Don't like, work hard, just keep your Bitcoin. Yeah, just literally, just keep your Bitcoin. I, mate, that was, that's the worst mistake I ever made. But yeah, anyway, anyway. No, no, I appreciate it, mate. It's a great answer. And I you know, appreciate your time today. Um, and I thank you for coming on the podcast. And I hope your brother feels a lot better. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure he does. Is it, uh, is it time for a beer? Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Well, we'll sign off. Cheers, mate. Thanks. See you later. Thanks, mate.